G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We are looking at John chapter 8, which is entitled, The Light of the World. And Jesus is expected to not only stand by what he says of his own nature, being that he's the light of the world, but expect a clash, because that's exactly what happens. There is a clash verbally at the Temple Mount. There'll be an even greater clash as darkness seemingly overtakes the light, in the Garden of Gethsemane, an even greater clash as the darkness becomes even darker when the Sanhedrin try Jesus, and then greater darkness still when he's handed over to the Roman authorities, and particularly the governor, Pontius Pilate. And then, if that's not enough, Jesus is hanging on the cross, the greatest miscarriage of justice in history, and there actually is a blackout for approximately three hours while he's on the cross. It is no coincidence. Jesus, the light of the world, seemingly overcome by darkness, but he comes out on top as he should. And so our lesson is called Light versus Darkness, and it's based on John chapter 8, verses 21 to 30. And I'd like to read to you a couple of verses here where Jesus speaks to his adversaries and talks to them about the home truth. Now, they're not going to like what they hear, but it's from God. And if we believe what God says and act accordingly with repentance and faith, we have just escaped the most horrific destiny. But if we are stubborn and proud and reject God's offer, then the darkness is our only friend left. So let me read to you a couple of verses here. Let's start with verse 23 where Jesus tells his critics, You are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Very, very strong words, but very, very true words. And very authoritative, of course, because it comes from the lips of the master. He's telling his adversaries, you are from beneath. Now, beneath either is from the world itself or even deeper still, you're motivated by hell. He says, I am from above. Well, that should be easy enough. He's talking about heaven. You're of this world. I am not of this world. Now, he's talking about, of course, the cosmos. That is the world order, not necessarily planet Earth, but the world order that is under the rule of Satan. Satan and demon powers are in control to some extent. That is why Jesus calls Satan the prince, small p, of this world. The Apostle Paul calls Satan the god, small g, of this world. So these people, though they say they belong to God, and that they walk with God, and that they're serving God. These Pharisees, these Sadducees, these chief priests, 
They are from below and they are from the world. And often I use the metaphor of the stricken ship Titanic to illustrate our world order. Our world is like the Titanic. It has hit an iceberg. It's going to go down. There is no future. If we put all our eggs in the world's basket, they're not just going to crack. And no, you're not going to make an omelet. You're going to lose everything. But if you take God's free gift of the gospel, then you have hope of the future. So there will be a continued clash between Jesus and his adversaries. There will be a lot of human reasoning. There will be divine explanation. He will speak about what it means to die in your sins. And he then goes on to say, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then and finally then you'll understand I am exactly who I claim to be. All right, let's read from John chapter 8, verses 21 to 30. Our lesson is called Light versus Darkness. John chapter 8, verses 21 to 30. Let's listen carefully to God's word. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things, and he sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Our reading is from John chapter 8, verses 21 to 30, and our lesson is called Light versus Darkness. Remember that John chapter 8, the theme is Jesus, the light of the world. But remember, when light confronts darkness, there will be a collision. And indeed, it's happening. So let's now look at verse 21 of John chapter 8, where he says, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Jesus has given a discourse about being the light of the world. His critics and opponents were utterly perplexed. Who is this guy anyway? They questioned his testimony. They questioned his witnesses. The dialogue continues. Jesus says he's going his way. They will seek him, but die in their sins. Where he is going, which is heaven, of course, they cannot come. Now, just imagine for a moment, spending so much of your life fulfilling religious ritual, duties, laws, regulations, only to find out that was all in vain, and hellfire is the only destination left. I tell you that people who sin up a storm will enjoy life far better on the way down 
than people such as these. It's, it's a horrible prospect. And the thing is, they have no one to blame but themselves because they thought that just by fulfilling rules and regulations that lets them off the hook in regard to their personal lusts, their failings, their bad attitude, their hatreds and variants, all kinds of evil things. Now, I saw this a lot in the Middle East, and I dare say it is pretty common among religious people, of any religion for that matter. And this is what I've observed, that people can be doing all kinds of evil things, things they know are wrong, not just doing it in ignorance, but it's okay. Why is it okay if they're sinning and doing what is wrong? What makes it okay? Well, it's okay because I'm going to go to my place of worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give money. I'm going to fulfill some other rituals. And basically, those religious activities will cancel out the evil that I have done. If only it were that simple. What people don't understand is that when we sin, and especially when we do it a lot, you know, any amount is lethal. It's like saying a few drops of poison are okay, but a whole bottle is bad. No, even the few drops can kill. But it's like basically saying this. We, if when we sin, it's like falling into a pit that is so deep, we of our own selves cannot crawl out of it. We need some help. And that's where a savior comes in. For people to think they can crawl out of that pit on themselves through their good intentions, good ideas, good works, is just delusional. It doesn't happen. The scripture is very clear on this point. So this is the mindset of Jesus's enemies, and it's leading them to destruction. Verse 22 of John 8, human reasoning. Of course, Jesus's enemies seem to overlook the threat of dying without God in their sins, and are more concerned about killing Jesus himself than getting right with the Almighty. By implication, they are saying that Jesus himself is going to hell because is he going to commit suicide? Where did they get that idea from? Well, when he said he was where he was going, they cannot come. They just, in their own warped minds, thought he was talking about suicide. And, of course, they believe that people who commit suicide do not make it. I'm not going to comment on that because there are people that were people of faith and that committed suicide? Did they miss it? Did they make it? Well, the judge of the whole earth will do what is right. And there are other factors, too numerous to mention here. But friends, no matter what you face in life or no matter what you've seen happen to others, you cannot go wrong trusting God. When you cannot get easy or quick or satisfying answers to your questions, Don't resist God. Don't distance yourself from him, but on the contrary, come close to him and trust him. He has an amazing ability to impart peace to your heart and mind when you put all your trust in him. And you can stay in that perpetual place of peace, love, joy, blessing when you continue to trust and obey. So divine explanation, John 8, 23. Why was there such a disconnect between Jesus and his detractors? whether it be in thought, word, or deed. How could this be? And he fully explains this is the reason for the disconnect, why they seem to be speaking two different languages at two different levels. They are from below. He is from above. They are of the world. He is not of the world. Though they are on the same planet, they are at two opposite ends of the universe, 
proverbially speaking. So this is the challenge that they all face. And then in John 8, 24, die in your sins. This phrase, die in your sins, is used three times in this passage. Now, we are all born in sin and live in sin, according to Psalm 51, verse 5, Psalm 51, 5, and Romans 3, 23. And this matter of sin in our lives has to be dealt with. It can't be written off like a bad debt. Somebody has to pay the price. Now, either we pay for it in punishment and death and so on, or we can let Jesus pay for it and believe his completed atoning work on the cross. So, But if we don't let Jesus pay for our sins by accepting his death and resurrection by faith, then we pay the price in hell itself. Note that sin is in the plural. You shall die in your sins, because all the evil things that happen in mind, soul, mouth, and body are the very things we do, and that the only way to escape the wages of sin and death, according to Romans 6.23, is by faith in Jesus Christ as the one, the one Savior, the one Lord. Well, all this is causing his opponents to be in a lather. Who are you, they ask, in John 8.25. His critics ask about his identity, which, of course, he has repeatedly told them. His simple answer, I am the one which I told you from the beginning. And then Jesus continues on in verse 26 of John 8. I have many things to share with you and judge of you. Just remember this. My Father in heaven who sent me is true. I speak to the world those things that I have heard from the Father. I am not just the faithful servant. I am the faithful worker. I am the faithful witness to all that God says and does that he wants me to pass on to the world. Then in John eight twenty seven, did not understand. It says they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. So, because he's speaking to them of the Father, in part because the reason they didn't understand is that Jesus spoke in the third person singular pronoun, he. He doesn't speak the noun or actually the title, the Father. He just uses a pronoun. So then, of course, that there will be no issue or lack of clarity, Jesus continues. In verse 28, he alludes to his crucifixion when he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. I do nothing on my soul initiative. Whatever the Father teaches me, then I speak to the world. This is an important phrase, when you have lifted up the Son of Man. Now, three times he talks about you're going to die in your sins. You're going to die in your sins. You're going to die in your sins. Hard language, but very true. And of course, They had it coming to them as well. You're going to die in your sins unless you believe I am he who was sent. Jesus makes the difference between not just heaven and earth, but heaven and hell. You will die in your sins. Nobody should want to die in their sins. If anything, we want to die should the Lord tarry in faith. And we want to be with God. And knowing that when we are absent from the body, we're not present with the devil and his demons. 
we are present with the Lord. So with that, Jesus is talking about his crucifixion being lifted up from the earth, and that when he's lifted up, he's going to draw people to himself. That leads us to verse 29 of John 8. The Father who has sent me is with me and has not left me alone. I always do those things that please him. And then finally, it says here in John 8.30, the house was divided. As Jesus spoke with his opponents, these words of authority, these words of anointing, these words of life, many who heard believed on him. And therefore, our lesson is called Light versus Darkness. What is our lesson for life? Those who say yes to the word of God are in the light, and those who say no to the word of God are in the darkness. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.